I went away to school um, in year seven. And so I think every time my dad would, would end the phone call or whatever in the morning house, he'd always ended off by saying, don't forget the bush. Good day and welcome back to another year of what's going to be a huge one for us here at Humans of Agriculture. And I'm so excited to be back with you all. So thank you everyone who supported us over the last couple of years. We're coming up for three years in the podcast space and the stories and the people we've featured, I still just really pinch myself in terms of how are we getting the chance to chat with all these absolutely incredible people. Now this week, I had thought long and hard and I actually had a few different podcasts I was going to record at the back end of 2022. And to be honest, I literally just ran out of steam. So we put off this chat until just last week and I thought I'd sit down with someone who is an absolute master storyteller. Now today's guest is Fanny Lumsden and she is an amazing storyteller, performer, singer. And I was just so fascinated to sit down with someone who lives in a rural community, has her roots so firmly set in agriculture and is now paving a way, travelling all over the world, singing songs about the people, places and things that she loves. And so this week, I guess, to give you a bit of an insight, the takeaways for me were how Fanny has approached the community side and just how important it is to her, no matter where she goes, through her uh, country halls, tour and concerts. Plenty of incredible songs uh, from her most listened to on Spotify, Roll On, through to Fierce. But just her ability to create stories and take people on a journey through music is incredible. And it's something which, yeah, I just really wanted to learn about and find out more about her story and journey. And so I hope that you all really enjoy this chat as much as I did. Let's get into it. Well, Fanny, I guess just I'd want to start off with what I do first up. Um, I just acknowledge the country I'm on. So I'm down here near Geelong on Wadarung country, which is where we're setting ourselves up. And what I love, which is going to tie into, I think, our chat today, but one of the Wadarung elders at one of the Geelong games, he talked about how the Indigenous Australians have used storytelling as a way of passing knowledge and information and creating connection. And he talked about it lasting over tens of thousands of years and crossing hundreds of generations. And I just love that reference. And I think it's probably a perfect little conduit into your background, singer, songwriter, storyteller, rural woman, mum, everything that you do. So welcome to the Humans of Agriculture podcast. Oh, hi. Thank you so much. Um, I absolutely love that as well. I am here on Narago country and um, and have been delving a little bit more into learning more about those stories as well because um, they are so extensive and incredible and I feel like we're just touching the surface, obviously. So, um Thanks for having me along. <laughs> you know, I was reading a book during the holidays, the Ash Barty story, and her connections is through Narago people as well. Oh, really? Yeah. I saw that come out. I really want to, I want, I really want to read it. It looks like a cracker. Was it good? Recommend? I would recommend it. The only thing is like, it sometimes jumps around. So I had to like, yeah. I found myself flicking back pages to be like one minute we're 15 the next minute we've won the French Open and oh yeah it sounds like my brain just yeah <laughs> literally was, yeah <laughs> um but yeah the storytelling here is amazing and um where we kind of like I said we delved into a bit recently with our last record fellow um when we were speak we spoke to local uh local elders about how all of those stories are connected to this area and how they have been a little bit lost actually with the Narago kind of country and so we've tried to kind of connected in a bit more which is cool was it a hard thing to do like to find the 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 right people to talk to um and in terms of how you kind of like approach them to ask those questions did you feel invasive at all no I don't I don't know if that's um (laughs) bad no I didn't I I actually was actually quite good I um uh my mum teaches at school she's a principal and so they often have um local elders come in so I just asked her who she usually speaks to and got the phone number and gave them a call it was we had a purpose you know we were doing it for a podcast actually and um and then also um we got uh his blessing to do to use uh his welcome on a like on a documentary that we made as well and for the area and so we just went to his house and went and had a cuppa and honestly just he just talked and talked and told us all sorts of stuff about like lots of different versions of stories, um, even like an alternative 
um, version to the Man from Snowy River origin story, which is like a little bit controversial, which is kind of cool. <laughs> Love it yeah. of Jersey. Um, and he, yeah, he told us a little about growing up and um, I like up at Adam and Abby and all the stories his grandma used to tell him as well. And so, yeah, it was, it was really interesting because we, recorded our last album here um on Narago land like right here where we live on the on the property um at Tuma um in a stone hut and it was very much influenced by like the landscape and the stories that kind of come before that and there's like all the like kind of modern day white man folklore stories but obviously um their stories go very 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 far back so we wanted to kind of include that a little bit and learn a little bit more along the way so we kind of had a purpose when we were talking to him um, which made it a little a less awkward, I suppose. But yeah, very willing to share. It was quite amazing. And in terms of your neck of the woods, in terms of the mountains, the rivers, the valleys, what were they saying with kind of the the history and the stories that were coming out of that area? So he told us a lot of stories about how they would um, often they'd go up to the mountains, like up to the high country, um, you know, kind of seasonally, and and have big, huge meetings right up there on top and how incredible they were. And um, and then how they would come down to the lowlands to have their babies um, and to raise the families and that kind of stuff. So they were strong enough then to get back up again to the mountains. And he told us, you know, told us some of the dream time stories and, um, and little bits and pieces. And obviously just, just like, again, just touching the surface a little bit that just, uh, and like a lot about kind of, what this land was used for beforehand um, and, you know, what kind of food they ate and where they got it from and just really just kind of very basic stuff that I think we should all know, <laughs> really. Yeah. Um, it's very included in, in like in the, uh, in the history of our land when we're learning about where we're from. So it's quite interesting and different names for things as well, which was cool. Fascinating. Will we see any of it start to come through your music or other influences, you think? I think, yeah, I think we're trying to include it a lot more in terms of when we're telling the stories to have a little bit um, of those connections and those um, stories kind of included in. Uh, and we always make sure, you know, we're like like you're doing, like wherever we are, we're always trying to learn more and, and speak to somebody locally, especially when we're touring, um, playing all these places around Australia. Um, yeah, like doing as much as we can to learn as we go and always, you know, doing an acknowledgement or trying to get someone if they want to come down and do a welcome if it's not too much for them, um, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. It's all the the little things. I, yeah. I want to jump back into your story. I think it's a, it's a really cool way to, to start it. But you're, you've always been in and around agriculture. You've pursued a career in it. But where did you actually grow up and what were the early memories in and around agriculture for you? Yeah, I grew up in a farm out. Uh, West Wylong, between West Wylong and Griffith, um, Talimba, we Valley area, uh, mixed cropping place, and um, eldest of four kids, and we were very involved. Um, you know, just classic growing up on the farm. So you, you, you know, you start off at opening gates, and then you kind of increase your uh, workload from then on as your capability <laughs> demands it. So you know, and we like rode horses a lot, and so we're always moving sheep and. I got lots of memories from out there. I did most of my growing up out there. Um, and so, yeah, I loved it. I really loved it, you know, and then as we got older, always helping, I know, harvest time, driving chaser bins and headers and um, whatever else, working on the silos, working the sample stand or the Weybridge or whatever that is. And then, um, and then like, yeah, with shearing or anything like that. We were very, it's all very involved in that. And my dad always, you know, he's, always really valued bush culture and um, really kind of loved telling stories and yarns and that was always a big thing and he also wrote bush poetry so I think the culture of it was very important um, and instilled in us early and then retelling those stories was really important too so we always went to the you know our holidays were basically just like driving up through Australia visiting other people's properties and working on their farm for free um that's <laughs> my dad's idea of a holiday <laughs> and um we're like can't we just go to like we all really wanted to go to like the theme parks at Gold Coast just like yeah. just because it was it, my dad would hardly I think we only went to the coast like three times he's so like he just has this thing about the great divide like he's like west of the great divide <laughs> and we're like you know that there's some pretty cool stuff on the other side of that too and he was like no no I think we'll go we'll go back down through the middle I was like of course we will <laughs> I mean don't get me wrong it's beautiful but when you're you know when you grow up and that's all you know 
like the idea of movie world like blew my mind but yeah one day they did take us to see world but that's not why we're here to talk about so. you you got there in the end <laughs> yeah. do you think that upbringing had you like wanting something different from the farm life that you knew um yes and no like you know dream world story right but like um it did really instill this amazing kind of base of appreciation and grounding in um that world and knowing that that was where I came from and and that's kind of what I want um you know like I think I I wanted to further that I went away to school um in year seven and so I think every time my dad would um like stop like you know would end the phone call or whatever in the morning house he'd always say he'd always ended off by saying don't forget the bush and um I <laughs> like love that now like I think it's so beautiful and I, at the time I'd be like of course I won't dad <laughs> but it, yeah I, I don't I wasn't running away from it by any means because like you know when I finished school I went and studied rural science um in Armidale and and so I was obviously still very much um, wanting to kind of pursue a world that world and yeah just I hadn't worked out how I think I went and studied that degree um and did those four years not loving it, to be honest, not loving the content of what I was doing. But yeah, it wasn't kind of till further down the track, I've realized what I was wanting to do and how I wanted to connect to that world. Amazing. When, when did the performing side come in? Was it something which was always just innately you? Oh, yes. <laughs> um, born show pony, like born and <laughs> bred, honestly, just couldn't shut me up. I was, you know, you the, the rest of your siblings to watch uh, the crowd. Yeah. Just up on the, like, get up on the board and um, in the shearing shed, uh, that was a stage. The back of the ute, that's a stage. Like anywhere, that's a stage. Anywhere someone would or wouldn't listen. We were putting on, I was always putting on performances and playing music and my cousins and I were always, and my siblings were all playing music together and then always wanting to put on a show and like, putting on a circus on the horses, making my parents sit out in 40 degree heat to watch. Just honestly, just very thirsty, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) And you've kept one of your siblings around you this whole time as well. So how, it's Tom, isn't it? Yeah, Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're just the the youngest or something which you dragged along? How did that work out? (laughs) Um, No, he's just an incredibly talented performer, Um, much better than me. And he, I don't know, kind of just worked out very well, I'd say. Um, they, they're all kind of involved in their own way, but yeah, Tom the most, he performs with us. So he sings in the band. Um, he sings on all the recordings. He tours with us. We're about to go shoot a clip in the next couple of days and he'll be there like helping in the background and also probably end up in the clip as well. Um, and I know it's, it's just something about um, your siblings and um, especially when you grow, have grown up singing together it uh it just works so well they call it blood harmonies and um like I really it's true because they they like mix so well it's also lovely having my family tour with me because touring looks kind of glamorous but it's pretty full-on um and it's pretty hardcore like way to live uh when you're just traipsing around I'm not complaining about it it's amazing but like it's um you know you try you're just moving all the time and it's um most of it's just kind of hardcore travel and then like add kids and add all the things and then add the pressures of like the music industry um which is not like an overly kind industry to live live and work in um having your family there and know that they have your back no matter what when I'm standing on stage I just I feel so supported by them um because my husband is also in the band so um yeah I think I really like that and it's also nice in terms of like like I said you know we are telling stories and when I'm telling those stories of you know rural Australia to rural Australia I have another perspective next to me um who also has lived all of that and so that is kind of a great energy and also he's um he's probably more popular than me on stage people love him <laughs> it'd be the overalls wouldn't it he I think bring, in all yeah, the videos he brings like... vibes <laughs> big time vibes and if he's ever not there people are just devo they almost want their money back so yeah. <laughs> bad luck it's too late that's right I'm I'm interested on that because obviously the band, you, it's Fanny Lumsden performing, but it is a whole team that it takes to actually show up. So how do you guys approach that? But also from your perspective, like you are the front runner, you are the front person as part of this. Uh, yeah, uh, it's very much a team effort, which is, you know, like any kind of successful business, it's, you think about it in the same way. This, you know, there could be some kind of 
thing that spearhead that's out the front, like in a brand sense or one person that kind of is the face of it all. Um, but yeah, it takes a lot of people to kind of kind of keep it, keep it, keep the show on the road, as it were. Um, so I I love it. I really love it. My husband, Dan, he plays the bass in the band, but he also works like he just set up this, set up all my, you know, microphone and stuff to do this <laughs> podcast. Thanks, um, yeah, t- tech support from Dan. Um, he's also a graphic designer and a photographer and does a lot of that side of it, does runs the website, runs all the merch ordering, different kind of things. So um, I am the manager, so I manage it kind of top down, but then we all have different roles like Tom, who's, you know, on stage and singing. He also runs the merch um, at shows. So he's that's his kind of whole domain. And, yeah, all the band have different roles and we've kind of fallen into that. And it, um, I like it because everyone gives a shit um because they're you know they're part of something bigger um but you know in the end it is like it, it is me that is driving it all um and uh look I'm, I'm the boss at the end of the day so <laughs> have you ever wanted to shy away from that attention and being in the limelight but also responsible for so many people in and around you as well oh yeah when things go wrong of course um someone else's fault it's basically it always just comes back to me that's the thing uh no no not really I I love I love this as a job like I love every element of it it's like it's so diverse every day is so different I am you know like from writing the songs which is you know the storytelling kind of essence without the songs is nothing like you don't have anything um and so even from that I love that part. Um, I then love the production side. So then recording the record and, you know, you're bringing in different team members then and then you're building it. And then I also love the strategy side and like the business side of it and building that up and the touring and then making sure all of these different things fall kind of in together and that you're working with different, the right people here and there. And I just, you know, I think that it's so dynamic that it it keeps me on my toes and keeps me, keeps me going. Love it. It's so cool. I, I think like being in a, creative space as well like there's the some the parts which i love which is getting out there talking to people hosting these chats whatever it might be but then there's also that opportunity that you go you know what i'm just going to go and do the account or the admin or actually try and work out where the hell are we going next and like all these other little things it's it's something pretty unique about creative roles where it is what you see at the shop front is actually so much more which goes on behind that is yeah real business Totally. I reckon it's, we always say it's like the 1% is um, on the stage and in that moment where you're on the stage and um, performing, which is amazing. And I love performing and I love those moments, but yeah, the bulk of the work is in the background. So I'm interested to explore, and I'm probably, a, this is where the ag side maybe comes in, but in terms of different careers, one thing in our kind of community, there's lots of people who um, over the past 12 months have changed roles and there's a lot of people who are thinking about changing roles in the next 12 months, but a lot of our listeners are kind of younger people interested in ag or involved in agriculture. You said you went and studied ag science at UNE. What was it that you learned from that? Maybe not at the time, but you've learned since. Oh, that's a good question. Um, how to turn up after you've had a really big night, uh, <laughs> which is useful in the music Performing industry. Performing one um, <laughs> um, No, uh, look, it was a, like I had a great time in Armadale. Like I really had a great time. I learned, I think I, I learned all sorts of things. I learned what I didn't want to do. That was for sure. Um, I learned you just, I wanted to stick it out and you wanted to finish the degree. I ended up doing um for four years and I did the like honours program at the end um, in something like it all seems quite irrelevant but you look it's it's useful now for so many things do you know what one thing I found really useful at the start of my like earlier on in my kind of touring we have a, a tour that we put on called the country halls tour so we go put on shows in halls all over Australia and we've been doing that for 10 years and we started that tour before I was known as an artist at all so we had nothing to kind of push on we had to build it from the ground up. Like we had to kind of really work to make those events successful when no one knew who we were. We couldn't just be like, blah, 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 it's coming. So come down. So it was, it was a really like, it was a great, like kind of great training. And it's really built me as an artist that tour um, as we've continued to do it. And it never had a big plan. It's just kind of, um, it's really just unfolded as time has gone on and kept going. But um, one of the things that my degree helped me with was when I was, programming that tour so I would get all these halls apply from all over Australia so say I've got like 
50 or 70 or something halls have applied and I have to schedule them. One thing that's useful is I know when different regions are harvesting. I know when they're like, they're going to be sowing. I know when the races are on in that town. So we can't come and put a show on it. I know Barbara's 30th on in that town. So like you can't, <laughs> you know, that you're one over. Like you need to know all of these small details um, about one, how regional communities work, which obviously comes from growing up in them, but also from, yeah, from learning about like the cycles of different kind of agricultural practices in different areas. So <laughs> when you want to sell tickets, you can't put on a show that's going to clash with that stuff. It's just, it won't work. So that really helped early on. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Pia, horticulture and sugar analyst at Rabobank. And I'm here to share our latest insights on Australia's vegetable market. Did you know in 2023, Australia produced over $5.8 billion worth of vegetables, though only 4.3% of this was exported. Like many other countries, the Australian vegetable industry relies mostly on its domestic market. In fact, only 7% of global vegetables produced are traded between countries. But we are starting to see that trend change. Global trade is growing at a faster rate than production, and countries with low cost production are seeing the highest growth rates. You can learn more about trends in the vegetable market on our latest Rabo Research Australia podcast, Mapping World Vegetable Trade or reach out to me via the Rabobank Australia social media channels to learn more. And and then like moving to the city and what we've got in common is a bit of a stint at auctions plus age and then choosing that we'd both run away from Sydney off the back of it, but um, nothing to do with the business, of course. Like, is there any times you think of, of your time as a market operator and go, <laughs> that's help, help me here? Oh, yeah, look. Who knows <laughs> where yeah. the parallels lie? Um, look, it was a great, it was great. I like loved it. Um, I just was just starting as an artist at the same time. So like, you know, a bit of split screen going on. Um, I'm just, you know, trying to split brain, split screen, lack of focus um, on their department. But I, I really did. I loved talking on the phone there. So like, you know, obviously you talk on the phone a lot and you're talking to agents a lot and you're talking to people all over the country. Um and so I really, I really enjoyed that. I like the pace of it all. And I think that just the work, work ethic as well, just like watching how companies, it was like I hadn't really worked in a corporate company before and so, or since, but it was good to kind of when I was starting my own business to then kind of apply some of those practices across. And also just because like, you know, it's grown from someone's idea and look at it now. And so I just, even that idea that you can have, you know, yeah, have an idea, have a thought of something, and then how do you actualize that? And they did. So I got to kind of see that in practice a little bit, which was cool. And then one day people just believe that it's an overnight success and it might be similar yeah, to right. your story as well. It's 10 years later or 20 years later or whatever. And, um, you know, now when I need to sell a bull, I can. <laughs> <laughs> the, the decision to pursue the music side and career full-time, um, what were what was the thought process at that time? It's oh, like it's always been really um, it's kind of really crept up on me. It always just kind of stepped one bit at a time um, until you know that was overriding what else I was doing. There was a there was a patch there after auctions plus where I was still living in Sydney and I was working four jobs and I was touring on the weekends and I was you know like just trying to be more flexible with my work and um, so I could you know move it around a bit. But like there was there was a lot of like just hard yards and grit and stuff that went into it. Um, but I think basically the pressures of living in the city and doing that became too much and we just decided to move out of the city um, and kind of go on the road full time. Um, but in a very like vague sense, like it makes it sound like I was very organized. I just like, I really want to push the fact I had no plan and I really just, took, just jumped. I took no, like there was no risk. Like, I mean, there was a lot of risk. There was only risk. That was all there was. And yeah, just kind of, I just knew that what we did and what I wanted to do could work and that like it was connecting at some level and that what I needed was more time and so to give it everything and so, and more resources. And so I kind of did, we had to take away the bits that were kind of taking up that time and I was living in Sydney, therefore I needed a big job to pay for living in Sydney. Um and yeah, then it's kind of, I did other stuff on, as well while I was going, like for the first few years, I was doing like kind of um, 
I was doing the Man from Snowy River marketing <laughs> festival, the marketing for them, and I was doing other bits and pieces um, until kind of there was a year that things all really just kind of took off. Like, you know, we won, won a bunch of awards and um, and then I got a bunch of like grant and money awards and those kind of things that kind of set me up a little bit more and I was able to get rid of those day jobs. And then I just had to hustle hard to kind of keep going. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? Like in in your own business or your own idea, that sense of belief. And it's like, I actually can't tell you all the steps of how we're going to get there, but like, it's just going to work. Just trust me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it is that belief. I really like, it's an instinct thing. Um, I always knew that what I was doing was connecting with people and look, it's a whole nother chat. I'm um, talking about the music industry, but I did, was doing it all separate to the music industry. I was doing it, we were doing it kind of very grassroots, doing it all ourselves, um, kind of from the bottom up, like with those country halls tours and connecting with people. And much like this, like you, you're going out there and you're just like face-to-face -face with people. You're telling, like just basically reflecting their stories back to them um, in different ways. And I knew that, you know, as we all know, there are a lot of people in regional Australia that all like going to music. Um, and And so... If I took it to them, it was going to work. And so we just kind of worked at different ways to do that. So like we had like a, a, a backyard tour called Under Our Hills Hoist, which we could do really low cost where we would just go, people would apply and we'd travel all over Australia playing in people's backyards to like, you know, it was all sort of organised like a show, proper show, but like it was great. And we ran that ourselves. And then the Country Hills Tour is like a bigger version of that with full band and all of that kind of thing. And it all kind of just kept kind of progressing and to the point where the industry were like, oh, all right. And so it kind of was, yeah, a bit of a backwards way into the industry. And and now like they're awesome, they're really supportive. And I like, I love being part of the, you know, the music community um, in general, but I still really feel like you have to be able to stand up on your own kind of two legs and um, regardless of whoever is else out there kind of, yeah, affecting that. What would you say like is, is the impact or like what's what's actually driving you to be involved in it um it's I, it's funny like I think it's obviously it's multifaceted um yeah like there's many things I've never I've just like I've I just not considered you know since I kind of left options plus I just not considered it I was ever going to do anything else like you know it's a it doesn't necessarily mean I just write songs and then I record them and put them out like that's just as we were talking about it's not how this business works um, and why I like it but I I just I don't know I just have always I can't remember the question actually to be honest <laughs> yeah no like in terms of what is what's what's driving you um, oh what's driving me yeah I look the stories I think that there are so many stories out there and like just the same as you really in regional Australia in like like the rest of Australia that does that don't get told um, and that can be told in unique ways and it doesn't, you know, like country music is a very broad church and I do fall under the country music banner, but I don't sound like something when you, when you think country music, I don't sound like that. And so, but I don't think there's a right or a wrong way. And um, I just, the, like the feeling you get when you like rock up to a hall, like there's this, like we played this great hall called the Market Guy Hall or the Gun Bar Hall out on like the Hay Plains and you... Yeah. We rock up there and we set up a whole production, like the same show we'd put on in Sydney or the same show I'd put on like a festival or anything. And I put, like we set that up there and you have, goes from nothing to like hundreds of people and like cars and like I love just standing back just before we go on and you see the kids tearing around outside and everyone has come together and then to get up on stage and then sing these songs and to have that like energy in that room and to know that it's just like there was nothing there like five hours before um is just incredible and then to have this experience that is so unique and to know that those stories and those moments are being passed on to that next generation and those kids are going to something like that and you know maybe they want to perform maybe not maybe it's just like taking people out of their normal like their normal life just to have a moment of joy um yeah there's nothing really like it I don't think so I think that kind of stuff keeps me going it's so cool it's like you're creating this moment in time where yeah, you create the space and then people will be driving past it for generations and being like, oh, that's what I remember happened in there. 
Yeah, and I think that like it's all those nights we've played halls and people come up to us after and they're like, oh, I met my wife in this hall in you know, 1952 <laughs> or, you know, like everyone has a story or like, you know, I tried my first cigarette out the back or like, you know, there's always there's always a story that you have when you come from those regional towns um, that's associated with the hall. And so creating more of those for people going forward, I think is super important um, and just fun. It's just fun, right? You just, you need to have fun. <laughs> Do you, on the, the music front, do you have aspirations to play to tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people? Uh, yeah, like we we get to play to tens of thousands um, at like, you know, at festivals and stuff. And and yeah, like, of course I want to keep growing, but I I will never not do the Country Halls tour um, because it's kind of who I am as an artist, I think. And I think once I've stopped doing that, I've disconnected from the real essence of what I set out to do and what I what we love doing um I think it really um is kind of the foundations and and it's just yeah it's kind of the grounding for that but I think you can do both I think you can grow and still still do shows out and I don't know West Wyong well Hamish and Andy or something would say that if you go down that pathway you would have lost touch with the common man so (laughs) yeah well that's right that's exactly right and like who what kind of stories you got then I don't think I have any risk of that happening to be honest (laughs) um but like yeah like yeah we of course we're always wanting to build we're always building like we're doing like building internationally and going into national tours but um I don't know I think that my yeah connection to that um, the essence of what we do, like with those halls, with those people, with those stories, they all come from there. And I just, I don't know, it's part of who I am. I'm not going to leave it. And it feels like, well, I don't know, I guess I'm, I've always been a country music fan, but it feels like I'll say modern country is having this resurgence. It's through different TV shows, different artists, especially out of America. Like it's, it's now becoming mainstream. That's got to be pretty exciting for where you sit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, I mean, we're all here over here in country and being like, see, we told you it was fine. Like it's it's still <laughs> it's cool more guys. than just love <laughs> and tractors yeah. and trucks. And... <laughs> That's right. Um, I mean, now there's just more songs about that. It's good. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's great. Like there's a lot more attention on country music and it's, you know, it's pretty broad. It's a very broad church, um, country music. It it takes in so many kind of different parts of the genre and and yeah, just to see people loving it again, it's just awesome. And other people who maybe would have turned their noses up to country being like, oh, this is country. I like this. And you're like, <laughs> that's right. Gateway drug. I'll take it. It's fine. <laughs> um, I want to ask you around your inspirations for your different songs. And I think um, especially like your last album, but the song Fierce, where you're talking about different women and who are who are some of those people what have been some of the ways that they've shaped you and what was it that kind of inspired that song yeah that song um was a song that I I actually wrote it around international women's day or maybe it was um like women in agriculture day I think there's a day for that because there's a day for everything yeah October Um, or one's March one's October yeah and um because I'd done some posts about um my kind of my family online just to kind of celebrate that day um and basically every single like fork if you will branch family branch (laughs) everyone comes off the land at like at at every kind of every point and I had been telling stories about my grandmas who like one of them grew up out at Meriwagger on on farms um and then one of them grew up on King Island on a farm and then I was kind of you know was a very different place back then living rurally and regionally and so remote and it was so difficult and um, you know, but that was just who they were and they loved it. And so I was kind of had been telling those stories and then, you know, obviously my mom and my sisters and um, I kind of just realised like how incredible that was that I've had all these amazing role models around me my whole life and taken them for granted. And just growing up in like a, you know, small town or like regional communities, small communities um, where everyone just kind of gets on with it. They just pick up after really tough times and they keep going and, um, so when I was doing the, um, so I kind of wrote that song. And then when I was doing the research, uh, like we were doing, the, it was 2020, we we're in pandemic and I was figuring out how I was going to do the clip. And um, I'd also been doing a bit of, bit more family history stuff. So part of the family all came from Scotland and um, were um, like motorcycle dispatch riders. And, and I was kind of like looking into that kind of stuff and then learned all about the, um, the women's land army here in Australia, which is like, just an incredible group of women um, from all over the nation that went out during the war to help on properties and farms um, because all the men went away to war. 
Really? And yeah, it was really like they they really kind of like held Australia up basically. <laughs> and um, that time, they kind of went from everywhere. There was a lot around here, around this region, obviously, with all the fruit picking and Mildura, but they went just like wherever um, to kind of make up that labour shortage. And, you know, that, that's in the 40s. So it was a very different time for women then. And so I was really exploring that and then how, you know, women have made such a massive impact in country, um, in um, agriculture forever. Like they've been farmers forever, but then kind of learned that actually it wasn't until 1994 that women could legally call themselves a farmer. Yeah, it's crazy. Seems outrageous. Look, it's, I'm sure it's just a bit of paperwork that wasn't changed. Like I, that's what I'm going to tell myself because otherwise I might cry. But um like eventually they changed it and you know women can now be a farmer not just a farmer's wife because they have been forever and so I really wanted to celebrate all of that kind of combined with this song and um yeah it was it was pretty amazing to learn all of that and go through all of that as well amazing I'm gonna hmm. give me a few different things to go and look into <laughs> the women land army yeah the women's land army they're okay. they're superstars yeah so we actually got a bit of footage from them um, from the National Archive and included in the video clip, original video clip. Um, and there was like a lot of like say advertising campaigns and stuff that they had, but um it's all them out there kind of working hard in their in their britches. Wow. <laughs> and um yeah, it was cool. We I've met I've met a few people whose mums were part of it um since, like because talking to people as we play and tour, which is like the other part of storytelling, right? So you're gonna you talk about these things on stage and then people come up to you after and and tell you a whole thing that you didn't know. And um, I find that just so great. And so, yeah, that's happened a lot as well. Um, but we're always looking. So if there's anyone out there who knows more about that, please get in touch. That's so cool. I'm yeah. going to go and have, because we want to do a, a piece actually like for the month of March. So it's around International Women's Day, but actually going like, let's look more into the mm. role of women in agriculture, not just today, yeah. but actually historically and go back to what we can learn to yeah. come back forward. Yeah, good idea. That's awesome. Yeah, it's exciting. Now, you, you've touched on 2020 and the challenging year that it was. Uh, you guys, I'm sure you've, you're probably nearly sick of talking about it, but um, off the back of you, you guys had been building so much traction with uh, the Country Halls Tour. You had, you were coming in to release another album, I believe, and then at home for you guys in yeah. Tuma. And you guys were right at the center of what was the worst fires that Australia's ever seen and, and you were literally in the thick of it yeah 2020 was a year wasn't it um for everyone but yeah it started off like that literally um new year's eve eve and then new year's eve um yeah so we live at Tuma here so that was part of like kind of where where all of those big fires joined to make the mega fire that was like 600 and, I don't know 30,000 acres or something I can't remember um blocked it out uh, and yeah we had we basically had three weeks of fires and here and we had like three different fire fronts come through here it wasn't just kind of you know over and kind of one or day or whatever it was just kept going um and it was yeah it was pretty full on start and because I'd written this record here and I'd written it um so the our album fellow was coming out and um we were still building kind of all of the assets and all the stuff behind the scenes for that um record and I was telling this story inspired by this region and then these fires here that were just um obviously like they just wiped out so much and so much land and so many fences and animals and like people lost their lives and um property and it was it was very a very challenging time um and we were all pretty involved in fighting fires on the ground here um so it just became part of the story I suppose that needed to be told and like because we're quite like we were cut off in terms of just like people can get in or out um and I could get a tiny bit of service when I climbed up on top of the hill and like up on the back of the U. um I was kind of just becoming um just like telling this telling the updates basically telling the story of what was going on in here and yeah it all just kind of became part of the record um in this really kind of crazy way I was very wary doing that um you know when it became time to put the record out a few months later because like I'm, I don't like the idea of using people's trauma um, to tell stories to like, you know, raise my own profile. And so the way that we did that, I thought so much about like every single thing that I kind of put out publicly, we like talked back and forth, like, you know, with my husband, my team and everything and like my family and people around here to make sure that we were doing it the right way. 
Um, I don't know if you can ever do it the right way, but um, yeah, it became quite involved. And so we actually just drove out of here, out of like going back to that fire. But this time, actually, this time of the year, we'd built a small a theatre in the back of a, like a, into the back of a horse float, <laughs> like a, like a kind of like you go in and it was a screen and it was like a whole thing in there um, to show, like to show this story of the record. There was a cinematic trailer basically of the record. And um, so we got a horse boat and we built all of this and we'd done it in three days. We meant to do it in three weeks, but because of the fires, we had three days and including building all the footage, footage and everything. And then, so we built that and we hooked it on my brother and our baby, not my brother and I, my baby, not that country. Um, <laughs> my husband. Not from uh, southern USA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> let's order that differently. So with my husband and myself and our baby and my brother um, and our horse float that we just built into a cinema, um, we like drive out of here and it was literally burning on the sides of the roads. We drove out through the fire to go to Tamworth. Um, which was insane. It was, and then on the way, that's right. We got to about Wellington, and we were, we went through a huge dust storm. That was like we had to stop. We couldn't see anything. There was lightning all around us. I was just like, wow, the world is conspiring against us. But um, it was, it was fine. Like we got to Tamworth and had this really big press week of stuff going on. But kind of emerged out of that, ready to tell these stories, but kind of still in them. So it was a, it was pretty full on. So then, yeah, a few weeks later, we released our record. Um, and that was the day that everything got shut down because of COVID. So it was awesome timing. <laughs> Putting a record out is like, um, like we call them children. <laughs> just, um, because you put so much into them and that release week is so important. So um, yeah, it was all, it all led up to this thing that then, kind of just was like ripped out from underneath us but we did get to put on we did put on a show here in Tuma um where we donated all the money back to our local um like back to the local community actually to people that had been affected by fires and people came from a really long way and we did get to still put on that show which was really special for all of the reasons obviously Oof, like, I'm sorry sorry <laughs> during that time like where where it is it's so important for you, for you, your business, for the other people that are involved in it. Like, how, do you think now in hindsight, you may have benefited from all the events that led to you not actually being able to release it? Yeah, right. Like, it seems like a strange thing to to say because it's like part of the story. You're like, ah, but I, yeah, I do. I do think that, like, obviously I don't know the alternatives, but like we were able to keep telling the stories of the fires for people that needed to know and, and wanted to hear those stories and wanted to kind of feel heard as well and seen. Um, and that kind of helped build the profile of the record um, as well. And this big event, which was just meant to be a little album launch, turned into like all of the like camping, like a mini festival because people were hearing about it through, like we took this amazing photograph of, we went, we'd, taken the album cover photo up on top of the hill here above where I live and um it was all green and beautiful and luscious and then we went up there and took the same photograph like a, a week after it burned and then we put them together and like that's pretty powerful imagery right and so yeah that um I think that kind of really spread the word so that's when we were then doing that as a launch I felt like I absolutely could not take the money from that like that had to go back to the people that were burnt because I was otherwise benefiting from their trauma and was what I didn't want to do so yeah and then with COVID like to start with I felt like it wasn't going to benefit us at all because like we had never even heard of Zoom then it was like yeah. that first week no one had, like we lost all our press like everything had lined up but in the long run we had the most successful career of our life like I've so far like I've not it was incredible like this album really kind of which is about hope and getting through hard times and about finding solace in things around you came out at the time of COVID so it was like I'd written it for it but didn't even know so yeah that was kind of kind of weird and I mean great let's see the silver linings <laughs> a little anthem um, yeah in your the docker you made around the fires um there was a lot and it was, and I think it's a line out of one of your songs as well in terms of like you say this too shall pass was that just the mindset that when the going gets tough, you were kind of bunkering back down to? Yeah. Yeah. Like that was one of the like songs that of like the lead songs of the record that I'd written two years before or like a year and a half before. And yeah, it was just a mindset that I'd kind of, it was something my dad said to me, like, and it's a very like, you know, 
a very well-known phrase, not trying to coin a thing, obviously. Everyone hears it. But I remember just being like young and having all these things coming up. And my dad just said to me, he's like, this this is your pass. Every single moment passes. You'll look back in a few weeks and it'll all be done. So like, don't stress out about it too much right now. Um, and I'd taken that with me. And I think the time of writing my record, I was um, with, you know, it just had my husband lost his mum to cancer. And then I had a baby a few months later and like, you know, just normal life things that are, everyone goes through and they you go through everything at the same time it's just the way it is um and so I'd kind of come to this point where I loved getting solace from like where I live it's stunning here it's amazing and so I was trying to build all of that into the music and then that worked well when you applied it to COVID apparently so (laughs) (laughs) tell me a little bit more about your community like what have you noticed about it since the fires and I think even the floods and things that have affected you guys more recently um yeah. What is it about so, the character of it? Look, it's like just that typical community in regional Australia that really stick together. Like when the when the going gets tough, um, the, what do they say? The tough gets going? No, just just everyone does. It's not just the tough. It's every, everyone gets a little bit tougher, but everyone kind of bands together. And um, look, I, you know, I one of my favourite things about um living in a community like this and especially this one is that just like the Christmas tree like at the local hall so at Christmas time we all have like everyone goes down to the hall and you know Santa arrives on the um on On a fire truck fire truck exactly (laughs) and like you know I just think that that is what it's all about like when you're at one of those things and everyone's bought a salad and there's like you know snags on the barbie and the kids are tearing around and it's the same thing I'm trying to recreate in the country hall store basically it's that and everyone's there catching up on the year and I just like they're talking about the state of the roads they're talking about the weather who cares it's small like you know small talk's great it's important and I think that it proved like community like those kind of events really prove themselves in times of really tough um moments like the fires and floods and all the different things is because we're all there for each other and um yeah I I love it I think you, you can't really like you can't create it artificially it's it's a it's a real essence to um regional australia it's cool it's definitely special now we're off the back of what hopefully has been enough challenging things for a while greener pastures are here for you what does the year look like you've got another album you're working on and i'm guessing what are we second week of january it's going to be full bore any minute now for you yeah, 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 we are. I just uh, just got a meeting um, from my label just then and we have a really big year coming up, which is, I'm really excited. Like it's been since 2020 that we've put new music out really. Like Fallow is the last record. So we have a whole new record coming. Um, yeah, we have lots of new music coming, the whole, um, a new record later in the year and um, new single, first single's coming soon. We've just um, recorded the first clip um and kind of getting back to my roots in terms of its imagery and that kind of stuff the songs are um they feel like a lot more energetic than fellow was but definitely following on from that kind of um vibe and just I don't know ready for a good time we've got a lot of international stuff coming up which is going to be great um country horse tour I've got two country horse tours um an album like an album theater tour and yeah just hoping for just like a jam-packed like very busy year of like lots of good stuff and does the fam come with you the whole way? Ah, yeah. So I've got two little boys. Um, one's four and one is one. Uh, most of it, yeah. Most of it, like majority of it. We have a caravan and they um just like tag along for the ride, which is hectic. Um, adds a lot to the whole thing. Um, but you know, like the band has essentially raised them. So um <laughs> they I was actually we went to to Nashville last year playing and um we just took the youngest who at that point but I was everyone's like oh how was it touring with a baby um internationally I was like you know what the ratio was great it was one of me to six dads and that <laughs> worked really well <laughs> can recommend <laughs> Dan doesn't mind it he's happy to just yeah, no. passing around <laughs> yeah yeah we just we just share the load which is like which is awesome and um but yeah they're, they're with us which is cool and internationally where are you guys hitting this year uh, so we've got New Zealand and we're going to the UK and Europe. And there's a few other things that we're kind of lining up at the moment, but those those few ones are locked in. Very excited um, playing some big festivals in UK. And uh, we haven't been able to go over there. We were meant to go in 2020, naturally, um, like a lot of things. So 
yeah, excited to finally kind of go and see what their halls are like uh, over there, see if they stack up. Their little country in the villages. The, yeah, that's right. <laughs> the village halls do it. <laughs> now, one question I ask everyone who comes on, and we can look at it in an ag sense. It could just be life advice, but you get the chance to head on down the road and chat to year 10 students about a career in agriculture, rural Australia. What would be your advice and what do you think you'd say to them? Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> that's a really good question. I'm trying to think about what I was thinking about in year 10. Um, I suppose don't stress too much about it. Like just follow the things that you love and the elements that you love. And, you know, for me, I went and did a four-year ag degree um, like at Rural Science and I had the best time and I met the best people and I met, I learned so much and look, I'm not obviously applying that directly now to what I'm doing, but I don't think I made the wrong decision. Um, so I wouldn't stress too much. And if you find something that you love, just pursue it. And if you believe in something, I think if you have an idea or you really believe in something, like back that because it could be it could be amazing. And like what what like the worst that can happen is that it just doesn't work out and just do something else. Yeah, do something else, work for someone. Yeah. World your oyster. Yeah. Go write songs about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fanny, thank you so much. Was there anything else that you wanted to touch on? Uh, no, I think it's been great. It's been, thanks for having me on. It's been a lovely little chat. Um, obviously, I'm just the, the agricultural world is so much part of what, what I do. And I think that um, country music can sometimes be disconnected from that. Um, even though it is country music. Um, and so I really like to kind of connect in and, and, and tell those stories. And look, if you've got a good story out there and you reckon it could turn into a good song, send it to me, see what happens. Well, there we go. The aspiring songwriters out there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, well, thank you so much. I think uh, I was, I was, I think so much about the different guests that I want to get on. And there's always something I really want to understand for myself through them and then, our audience kind of off the back of it. So I'm really interested to see where people go on this. The part mm. that I was really interested in was that kind of the the life changing moments, the the different ways that you can go down your career and what are the little things in hindsight that you learn, but then really just around the kind of beauty of rural Australia and the role of storytelling in connecting people. And so I think songwriting is such a songwriting and performing is such an important part of that. And it's just another exciting medium that we're exploring through ag so thank you no thank you very much and um I'll, I'll try and keep telling those stories the best i can beautiful